Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Least Dog Forever. Uh, Kyle isn't with us tonight, uh, so we'll just be the two of us, but we'll get right into it. Uh, just a reminder to go back and listen to the other podcasts that we've dropped. We've dropped four episodes now. Um, you guys are killing the second or third episode. Both of them have a lot of views, so if you want to go back and listen to those, apparently they're the best ones. Uh, we also want to uh, thank you for 230 downloads altogether. I know it doesn't seem like a lot, but um, going into five episodes to have this many downloads, we we definitely didn't expect that. Uh, we also want to throw in a welcome to a few different uh, countries that have have um, listened. We got Slovakia, Slovenia, Hong Kong, India, uh, Czech or Czechia, um, United Kingdom, Finland, and Russia. So welcome. Um, while you're here, uh, go to our partner at Inside the Rink, view their stuff, view their articles, view the other podcasts. Uh, that's at Inside the Rink or uh, InsideTheRink.com. Uh, again, this is episode five, so we're going to get right into the Jersey segment. Um, Scott, you're going to start us off. Yeah, so much like last week with uh, number four, there hasn't really been a lot of recent uh, players who have worn number five. This time, however, it's because the jersey was honored and then retired by the Toronto Maple Leafs. So with that said, my number five is going to be King Clancy, who was a early NHL, early player in the NHL days, uh, 20s, 30s. He actually was on the team when the Toronto Maple Leafs first won the Stanley Cup in 1932. He was an assistant coach, uh, assistant manager slash coach for three Stanley Cup winning teams, including 1967. And he is the namesake of the King Clancy Award for the uh, best exemplary leadership outside of the game, most recently won by Pekka Rene last year. Um, and just to reiterate, obviously, obviously with a number five, um, there is no number fives. Uh, so I, I'm going to choose Bill Barocco, who who the least retired the number four. Um, also known as Bash and Bill for any of the older uh, – folk listening uh, he won four cups in five seasons with the leafs uh sadly he died in a plane crash um in 1951 the Leafs won the stanley cup that year he was found 11 years later in 1962 the next time the Leafs won the stanley cup um and uh there is the tragically hip song 50th 50th mission cat uh good good jam um but yeah it's basically just uh gore downey's um, take on what happened and and how he uh, how he grew up. I guess listen to uh, or uh, reading hockey cards. So if you can check that out. And Scott's gonna hit us with the class. Just for those who don't know, from countries who may not know who the Tragically Hip are, they are a Canadian rock band. Cord Downey was the lead singer and huge Leaf fan. And then for classic numbers, uh, we're going back to the 
early days of the NHL, much along with King Clancy, with uh, Corb Denany. He was one of two brothers who played in the NHL, other brother being Cy, who were star players at the time. And uh, yeah, so Corb Denany. Uh, so we have actually a correction um, from uh, last week where we were talking about the Tampa game and I mistakenly said uh, Patrick Maroon covering Patrick Maroon, where I meant to say uh, Wayne Simmons covering Patrick Maroon. So Way to go, Kyle. A quick, yeah, way to go, Kyle. Not here, so he's, he's the one to blame. Uh, so yeah, just thought I'd make that correction so people weren't confused while I, I was talking. I meant to say Wayne Simmons on Patrick Maroon and mistakenly said Maroon twice. And then for headlines, uh, we have news about the Guy Lafleur funeral slash celebration of life. He will lie in state at the Bell Center where the Montreal Can Canadiens play on May 1st and May 2nd before having his funeral. Uh, I'm assuming it's probably private for family, friends, so don't try to show up on uh, May 3rd unless you're invited, of course. So yeah, May second and May first and second, sorry, will be the Lion State at Bell Center for the fans to show up and pay their respects. May third will be the actual funeral. Um, a little then, story about uh, about uh, Lafleur. He was actually the reason why the Stanley Cup gets passed around from player to player in the uh, in the off season. I guess the, oh, yeah. one of the years that he won the Stanley Cup, he I guess broke into the Hockey Hall of Fame or wherever it was being held. Took it, took it back to his hometown and had a party. The GM ended up calling him and saying, uh, do you have the Stanley Cup? And he said no. And then he <laughs> uh, he said, you need to take it back right away. And I guess that started the tradition. Or I guess, um, yeah, I don't know if it was the next year or not. But yeah, I guess he was the, the main main reason for they for them to pass it around. So there is numerous players before Guy Lafleur won who never even barely got to touch on the ice. They just have their name on it, so it's kind of cool that his legacy paid off in that way. Yeah, that's actually kind of weird to think about. It's such a common thing nowadays for people, younger hockey fans, who grew up watching people pass it around on the ice and then be able to take it home when yeah. they distribute it out in the offseason. So to think that there was times when people didn't even get it on the ice, let alone in the offseason, to, to kind of parade around their hometown or... or to their friends or friends and family seems kind of weird yeah. that that wasn't a thing all the time so thank god for theft huh yeah yeah <laughs> um and then uh from one legend story to another uh the daughter of wayne gretzky paulina gretzky got married to famed golfer dustin johnson uh recently so congratulations today, to them there was it today i saw yeah. it on Instagram. so congratulations but it's worth noting yeah, yeah, especially since Wayne Gretzky is such a huge name in the hockey world. Uh, and, and then for those golfers out there, Dustin Johnson's, uh, I don't know where he's ranked. Oh, but he's super yeah, good. Yeah, that's true. Well, he he was, I think, top near the top ranking a couple years ago. I don't know if he's fallen down a bit, but yeah. So yeah, just to uh, cover the variety of hockey related stories. And then final headline is the Leafs have signed uh, Dryden McKay. And uh, Spencer's going to take this one away because he knows more about the player than I do. Yeah, so uh, Dryden McKay, named after Ken Dryden, his dad's favorite player. Um, he's 5'11", which has a lot of people uh, skeptical, but uh, 
I guess the minimum height to play goalie now in the NHL, I guess on average is like six foot one, six foot two. So he's a little bit smaller. Uh, he did sign a two year contract with the Maple Leafs. That's, uh, I guess basically an AHL contract with an invite to camp. Um, a lot of people that would have read said that he'll, he might even spend time with the ECHL Newfoundland Growlers. Uh, one important note to mention, uh, he was a Hobie Baker award winner. He didn't win best goalie, but he won the Hobie Baker. So a little confusing there. Um, he did play at Minnesota state and, uh, he did, I guess, test positive for some kind of performance enhancing drug, which makes him ineligible till the training camp starts. Um, I personally think that this was a replacement for Toronto trying to get uh, Mag Guzda or Guzda from the Barry Colts. Ended up signing with Florida. Toronto's very interested in him. But I mean, a little bit extra competition. And uh, now I think we have five goalies in the, in the depth chart uh, that aren't with the AHL team that are with college or overseas or whatever. So yeah, you never know what could happen with him. He could end up being a backup or starter. It's kind of a prove me contract. So fingers crossed. Well, and with uh, both Justin Wall, Justin Wall, Joseph, Joseph Wall, and Ian Scott not really developing on the pace that the Leafs had hoped that they that they would. Not saying that they would have been All Star starters by now, but um, at least pushing for a French backup, contending for that backup spot. The NHL team maybe in the case of Joseph Wall, um, and then the potential Jack Campbell issues in the offseason with him wanting closer in, or in and around to 60 or 66 million sorry imagine if you wanted 60 million <laughs> uh so yeah the, uh, the 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 fact that they have goalie depth coming from college that they can develop within their system which is a huge leafs thing they they prefer to i don't know necessarily other teams because i usually just follow the leafs but they seem to want their players to develop their style they did it in the minors with justin hall and engvall and whoever else came up on the teams with sheldon keith and kyle dubas to come to the Leafs where they learn the style and now they implement that style. So for that to, to happen, they have hit with unsigned for agents too. It is Toronto style, like, like college prospects, like Tyler Bozak. Yeah. And then Alex Steves in the minors, like those are two players that they signed that went undrafted. So, I mean, well, yeah, but I don't know like if, if Steve's got state drafted, but pardon. I don't know, but Steve's particularly fits because like Bozak was before, or the Dubis. He, he was kind of yeah. the beginning of the Dubis rebuild Lamorello era, but it seemed specifically Dubis, like they, they kind of want them to learn the systems. They want them to be able to, to perform elite, maybe not elite, but on an elite level in the AHL, or at least a noticeable level in the AHL before they get moved up to the NHL. And like I said, they did it with Justin Hall and Engvall and whoever else was on those Toronto Marley contending teams when Dubis and Keith were down there. Yeah, so it, I mean, it, they're not on the team now, but Kapanen and, Kapanen and Andres Janssen. Yeah, time. and Hyman was on there too at one point, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, and Dermott. So, yeah, it's good to know that we have college prospects who can come into the, even if it's ECHL to start, I'm sure they're learning the, a similar system and then well, move their way up into the AHL and then hopefully at one point with one of them into the NHL as a, a number one or 1A, 1B or even a 2 to to solidify our goalie situations that we may have in the future. Yeah, and uh, like on Real Kipper and Born, Nick Kipro said, like Toronto has the money to shop. Like this is basically, if it doesn't work out for him and he can't amount to more than a fringe 
back up in the AHL, he's still this getting whatever. Dryden. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's still getting $700,000 or whatever it is that he signed for. And then at his AHL level contract, like he's still getting money. And Toronto has the ability to throw money around to kind of overpay and develop in the minors. So not that he's overpaid. Like I, I, I haven't looked at the contract structure, but. Um, it is true. Toronto has the ability to sign a guy for a million and, and put him in the minors, and like where some other teams may not have that ability to give yeah. that kind of money out. Um, but yeah, like you said, and uh, I forget who who mentioned it. Someone I saw on Twitter or something like that said, "All of the goalies in the AHL and the NHL have played for the Leafs: Mrazek, Campbell, Shawgren, Hutchinson, and Joseph Wall." Wall, yeah. Um, and then there's five goalies. Now him, including McKay, now there's six who played in the AHL and the ECHL, and Ian Scott hasn't played because of injury, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is unfortunate because I mean, he, yeah, he was had a good to be junior good. career and yeah, but uh, I mean well, there always is time. Position. Yeah, there always is time. He had a good junior career though, so I mean yeah, projection is is uh, kind of like a Gary Godin situation where he's supposed to be. Decent. I mean, Greg Golden was supposed to be super good, but I mean, injuries yeah. had stopped that from but, happening. So hopefully, and, and Scott can at least make an, an AHL career or in a bit if he can't make the NHL now. Well, and he's still young. Like, he's what, 20, 22, 21? I think 22 or 23, yeah. So, I mean, even if he, he plays in the AHL for the next three years and then he, they call him up as the backup at 26, 27, like, that's still not bad. Like, it's not like. Just because yeah. he hasn't played a game, he's not going like to. Two years. I mean, it's well, yeah, but I mean, it's probably a longer shot now than it was when they drafted him that he would be a solid, or at least a potential NHL roster player. But there's still yeah. like look at Justin Hall wasn't called up till he was what twenty five, twenty six. So yeah, no, I know, I I know that there's time. I'm just saying, like, I hope for him in particular whether he only plays one HL season and then injuries like basically ruin the rest of his career. I hope oh. he gets one full yeah. season out of it so then he can not regret that for the rest of his life. Yeah, and I wasn't saying like you are saying no, I know. like for the for the there is potentially people who may say like the kid's already twenty three and he hasn't played a game in the AHL like time to move on. Whereas like twenty three is still young. Like he could play three years, come back from injury, and not get hurt again in the rest of his career. Play three years in the AHL and dominate, or at least play above what everybody expects him to. Now he's been injured, and then move on to be a solid backup or fringe starter in the AHL. Right? Just because he's twenty-three yeah. and hasn't played a game due to injury doesn't necessarily mean that he's not going to ever play a game. It's interesting to think um, before I move on here, but it, it's interesting to think about. Um, how like as a scout or as a GM or even as like I guess an accountant to be the prime of your career you're like thirty five, forty you know like or actually making the bank everyday everyday jobs yeah mid but I mean like the... especially in sports like the the back side of it the front office side to actually be top of your class you're like in between thirty five and forty five say sometimes younger Kyle Dubas was younger but and then hockey players yeah. like Ryan Getzloff for example just retired. Um, and, and, and his agent told him like, you're what, 30, whatever age he is, 36, 37, whatever age he is, you're still, you're still young. Like that's the time that his agent became a solidified agent. So it's crazy to think that people are like, 
I understand sports, 23s. I guess if you never played in the top level at 23, they're kind of betting against you. But it's crazy to think like 23 and and people are already saying your career is over. Like yeah. Tim Thomas, well, he didn't play till what, 31 in the NHL? Yeah. And there was the guy in the game. Was it was it the Florida game? And they, the, maybe it wasn't Florida. It was a highlight I saw. It might have been during the Florida game, but if not, then it was another game. But they said that he he got signed to his first financial contract at like twenty seven or twenty eight, and he's like this is his first year in the league, and before that he played overseas. So it's not like yeah. And there's Brady Keeper. Uh, he plays for Vancouver now. He used to play for Florida, and that was the same situation. He signed with like sixty bucks in his bank, and now he's a solidified AHL player who's making hundreds of thousands. So, yeah. So obviously, twenty three is still, even in sports age, is still young. Like there's some college players who don't get for basketball or football. Well, I don't. Maybe not football. I'm not a big football fan, but basketball for sure. There's some who. Like that's their second year in the league at twenty three because they yeah. spend four years in college, right? And it, it's it's it, it kind of uh, grounded me a little bit because, like, obviously Scott knows he's my brother, but uh, like I, I want to do something in front office of hockey, and and I am twenty three, and I always think like, you know, damn, it's taking too long, blah blah blah. And then this agent, I believe his name's like uh, Jerry Jones or not Jerry Jones, Jerry Johnson or something like that. I forget his name. But Jerry he said, Jones. Jerry Johnson. Owner of the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> it was like, I don't even know his first name is Jerry. Anyways, look it up. He's the agent of Ryan Getzlaff and Carey Price and others. But, um, yeah, he said, like, these kids are 35 and retiring. And they're still, like, kids, I guess, in a sense, in, in the world. Because, like, you're sheltered to this, this lifestyle of hockey. But you mm-hmm. learn so much experience from that that, like, you could do anything after that really go back to school and get your education and that's why i think it's cool when players like kerfoot and abrazizi and blackwell and all these college kids who like matthew knight's good on him i know he wants to stay because he's unfinished business in hockey but at the same time he's furthering his education so when his hockey career ends or if it ends with injury he's got a backup plan mm-hmm. and it's just kind of cool to think like at yeah and it, you also hear all the, the end of the world you also hear all the, all the stories of like players who retire like olden day players, eighties, nineties, maybe even early two thousands, and then they they come back into the news ten years later, and they they don't have any money, and they're struggling financially, and yeah, because they they only focused on playing hockey. They didn't really yeah, focus on worrying about life outside of the game when it was over, so they kind of just blew through their money while they played, and then when they retired, they they had some money, but not enough to support themselves. Yep. Um. I mean, and hockey's not the only sport that that happens to. Yeah, it happens that's true. To football and baseball and basketball, and I'm sure it's international with soccer or cricket or whatever. But, but like we're focusing on hockey right now. But yeah, it just it's funny how maybe not funny. That's a bad choice of words, but it's it's funny in a weird way how they like it's just weird to me that they don't some of them don't focus on that aspect of their lives. They just see the money and they spend the money, and then when it's all said and done after 11, 12 years, then they realize, like crap, I should have kind of saved up a bit or at least been more cautious with my spending. Yeah, and and that goes back to the interview on Thirty Two Thoughts with Ryan Getzlaff's uh, agent. Is he said like these kids are coming in at a young age, 
like for example he had obviously like i mentioned getzlaff and price who who signed max deals in the nhl like and and he said at that age signing an eight million dollar contract for eight years like it's like dollar signs in their eyes but then you have that advisor mm-hmm. or the agent or someone to keep you basically grounded in someone that you trust because like i'm not i'm not getting into it because like i guess it is a little touchy of a subject but like look at lonzo ball's family they had that big baller brand and like someone close to them that they trusted like what laundered money from them you know like i i don't know that story and that's why he ended up leaving the brand and getting rid of the tattoo and like yeah i guess i thought thought it was just because of his dad (laughs) well i mean his dad is a little too much but yeah i guess you gotta really make sure that you're trusting the the people around you and hoping that they're making financially smart decisions too and it's good now with how much um you can invest in easier ways to invest and players probably yeah. could invest by themselves you know um, and, uh, I, the, the the first time i ever really kind of focused on that and it, it was a few years ago i can't remember exactly how many years ago but it was an interview with Shaq, where he was talking about financial stability of specifically basketball shaquille o'neal basketball players and he was talking about how in his first year when he got the big contract he was spending money buying people cars and then yeah I, his, I, his dad I, yeah was it his dad who wanted the car and he tried to yeah, buy it for he him. Came but home with bank. one. Yeah, yeah and then his bank his dad like, "Where's mine?" Yeah, and then when he tried to buy it, his bank, the bank called and said, "Like, you don't have any money." And Shaq's like, "What do you mean I don't have any money? I make millions of dollars playing for the LA Lakers or Orlando Magic, whoever it was at the time." And he said, yeah, in that moment, that. he realized that he needs to be more cautious with his spending. And since then, he's created brands and buy, bought stock and invested in, in other companies and like and, Walmart. Uh, yeah, and like created programs for young athletes or or just people in general to to worry about financials and yeah. It's funny that you say that because I just saw a TikTok just before we started this podcast. It was about Shaq and, like and how he has the biggest around. purchase in Walmart history. <laughs> yeah, but like, well, uh, yeah, he does, but no, it wasn't about that. It was like he goes around to these stores without cameras, without a security. Blah, blah, blah. I mean, who's gonna mess with the guy? But. And he, he goes to like these single moms and he buys the kids MacBooks and, and stuff for school. And it's not just like he goes there and says, oh, you want this Xbox? No, you worry about your studies, worry about this, worry about that. But my favorite quote of from Shaq is, my favorite quote, sorry, from Shaq is like, just because he has money doesn't make him better than the average person. And, and that's what I think is important to remember. Like this guy's got he'll probably never ever run out of money with all these smart investments that he made but he still goes around he bought a, a guy's an engagement ring for his girlfriend like he just makes i guess the world a better place under the under the store is shaq's a good dude was was it him who was doing an interview and they had talked about how like it was i don't know if it was like a late night american talk show he was on jimmy kimmel jimmy fallon something like that and they brought up how his kids will be set for life because he's like a millionaire potentially a billionaire and he said that that's that's not how it works. Like his kids have to work for everything they have. Just because he earned the money doesn't mean that they also should be able to spend it. So he, like, yeah. Which I mean, maybe that phrasing is a bit weird for him to say, but like in reality, he, yeah, that's a good good uh, mentality or or ideology to instill in your kids is that just because your parents are rich doesn't necessarily mean that you could just use their money to get whatever you want. You still have to work for whatever you need in life. Yeah, Steve Harvey says the same thing. 
You said like he's going to spend ninety five percent of his money. It could have been, um, like I don't know. I just I just know the Steve Harvey situation. But yeah, he said he was going to spend like ninety five percent of his money and leave five percent to his kids because like, why would you leave ninety five percent of it and spend five when, like, he worked his behind off for, yeah, for that? I mean, I don't know exactly what his wife does. I'm not saying it's just him. His wife could have. I don't know what I don't know what she does, but still. Regardless, it's it's a smart mentality to have. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking about uh, what I just said, it just dawned on me that uh, I personally want to apologize again for the explicit um, explicitity. I don't know. I'll just say swearing. Um, that I did in the, yeah, in the last episode. Sometimes, like as I mentioned, words, things get words. heated. <laughs> Sometimes, as I mentioned, things get heated and. I do know that there is some younger audiences and older audiences that are listening to this, and uh, sometimes it's not the best, so I apologize. It won't, I'm not going to say it won't happen again because it probably will, especially in the playoffs. But uh, yeah, I mean, we do apologize and we hope you guys uh, stick with it, regardless of me dropping an F bomb or or whatever. Um, And also, just before we kind of move along here, more headlines that I heard today. I I heard that Kevin Weeks, who's I personally think besides Elliot Freeman, like the best trade breaker in the game. Um, he's also I heard he's unique, unique trade breaker. In the game. <laughs> yeah, I heard Didn't that he's doing with like uh, a pylon on his head or something. Yeah, and his profile or picture right now on Twitter is like him with a garbage can. Oh, it was a garbage can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he like he yeah. Where he broke the news by recording himself with a garbage can on his head. Yeah, and he also did uh, one in like the elevator of a hotel and one behind a plant. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I did hear that uh, he is actually in the running for the GM spot in in San Jose. And I'll say this: Kevin Weeks would be my if I was a president of hockey officer and owner i would choose kevin weeks as a gm he's he's like he's always out there his name's always out there i just feel like he would he would actually be a good candidate he's he's up with the times um obviously being a goalie maybe he'd have a different approach to goalie marketing or goalie drafting or goalie coaching um but yeah i think that he he would be a good candidate uh especially for sam's day who i i've heard um from a few people that i follow on twitter and podcasts that i listen to but they would kind of want to modernize. They've had the same two GMs for what twenty eight sure. years, yeah. And uh, and yeah, they I guess they want to modernize and change some stuff up. So, and no better way of doing it than having your GM come out on the podium with a bucket on his head <laughs> and breaking that on Twitter. Yeah. Um, and some other things are uh, lease related. Uh, Ilya Mikheyev and Toronto are going to wait until the end of the season to discuss. Um, New contract, a contract extension. Also, Rick Bonus, um, his contract expiring, and apparently he might retire. Just some things that I see on Twitter and I, and Instagram that I screenshot because these people on Instagram are also getting it from other people, so they're not breaking it themselves. So I figured, yeah, good information to pass along. Yeah, just to back to the Kevin Weeks thing for a second. Was it Seattle or Arizona that he was in? His name was thrown in recently. I think I think both actually, but Arizona. He I think he was in the running for, but then I forget who their uh, 
Armstrong. I forget who their GM is. I forget or arm. Sorry, let me reverse that. Their GM's Armstrong. I forget his first name. Um, but yeah, he came in with like a apparently from from what I've heard like a 500 page binder of just like basically game planning the whole system of what he was going to do. So obviously he lost the job. But also Scott Mellenby's name has been out there for for a couple old GM spots and uh, Matthew Darsh or. I'm not good at speaking French, but he used to he used to play for Montreal. I'm assuming it's Darsh. That's how I'd say it. Um, his name's I mean, been out there a few times. It's it's cool that the the GM came in with a five year plan, Sid's five year plan to say. But uh, I don't I don't see it actually being maybe maybe it is, but I feel like this season was kind of uh, off the rails for their plan. Like, were they really planning on just being 17 million under the cap and just Trading away. Uh, apparently, apparently, everything that he's done this offseason has been part of his plan. Said said other reporters. I mean, I'm not a reporter like myself, the, obviously. The, but the players he brought, like, I don't oh, see how you, I don't like, know yeah, you, you could players. plan to bring them in, but like, did he have backups upon backups upon backups if the players he originally wanted to sign didn't sign with Arizona? Yeah, I don't know that. Uh, like, it seems kind of weird. Like, that. cool that he had it all planned out, but it seems kind of weird that everybody's saying, like, yeah, it's is it going exactly according to how you drew it up when you can't really. Yeah, I think the base of it is weird. like dump cap, take on picks, take on salary, basically have a, a a crappy team for the next couple of years. Get Shane Wright, potentially, hopefully, get in the top three where you've got uh, what's the name, uh, Adam Fatelli or whatever, and then Connor Bernard and Mishkoff or whatever, um, who are all three number one caliber picks in next year's draft. Oh, and then so. get Austin Matthews in a couple of years. Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I think that was kind of more the, the gist of what I've, what I've seen and read and heard is like, he basically had an, a five-year outline of how he was going to do it. I don't think yeah. necessarily the players were on the list, but. Oh yeah. And like, that's cool. I just it seems this season, like, I don't know how you would plan for something. Like maybe like his plan was to just have so much cap room that people would just be trading you players to take on cap, but it just seems weird that that would be part of an actual professional sports teams. Yeah, plan. You know what else is weird? If Shane Wright gets drafted first overall by or second wherever, there's a couple other options, I guess. But by Arizona, he'll become from Kingston, whose arena is bigger than the arena that they'll be playing in at ASU. Yep. And also, I heard that. Uh, um, why well, I, I, it's not a source, but I heard that a couple people are saying they wouldn't be surprised if Connor Bernard or Shane Wright or whomever they draft either tells them before, like, yeah, I'm not going there, like I don't want to be playing in a, a yeah. college arena, or uh, they could Eric Lindros it where they just openly they say on draft day, like they don't want to play there. Which I mean, yeah. I in, in those in that case, I would not blame them. I understand Arizona's. A, I mean, I would personally play for Arizona. You're gonna get like, if I was an NHL player, I would. I would Toronto would obviously be my first pick. There'd be a couple other teams in there, but Arizona, especially next year, because they're gonna be handing out money. A guy who's getting seven fifty cool. from say Toronto will probably get one million or one point five just because they need to get to the cap floor. Is there even state tax in Arizona? Um, uh, I don't know. Nevada, Washington, Florida. Um, there is one other place in the states. That's all I know. I think well, there's two more. They listed them the other day, but I can't remember them all. Like I personally think, if I needed a show me deal 
for one year to get on a team that I really wanted, like the Rangers or whomever, that's what I would do. I would just go there, bust my bust my butt, and uh, yeah, make some make some money. And I mean, yeah, I'm sure, sure that there's going to be players that are doing that because, like, that's why they that's why they appealed uh, Nick Reggie appealed to them was because he has a bigger ca- uh, cap hit at what two and a half, three million, whatever it was, and he's yeah. got term. So like I feel like this offseason they're just gonna be signing guys like for example bringing back like Jay Beagle who or, or whomever and giving them deals that they wouldn't usually get on the market because they need to hit the cap floor, which is what people do in Angel Twenty Two. So <laughs> yeah. what? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, sign a player for five million just so you can. But yeah, I mean, so I go. I was just gonna say, like the, uh, the NHL twenty two is unrealistic because by the third season the cap's like one ten. I'm just like, there's no way I'm. Oh well, yeah, yeah, you know. But uh, yeah, like the situations go suck. But I don't know. And this is just me, but I, I always found it annoying when players are like going into their draft are like, yeah, I'm, I don't want to play for this team. Like you've worked all your life to make the NHL, and then you're just gonna kind of rub some people in the the. Hockey, not even just fans, like actual management people in the hockey community, the wrong way because you're you're gonna pick and choose what teams you actually want to play for. Like, yeah, it just it just seems weird to me that like the players would. And yeah, again, like it's gonna potentially gonna suck to play in a university arena with five thousand fans, but you're still playing the NHL. You're still getting to play the best of the best. You're still going to play half your games on the road, so you're not always playing in that university arena. So it just baffles me that people would be like, "Oh, don't play for them. Just say you don't want to." And then, or if you do get demand a trade, like yeah, I mean, it's all these kids dream to be drafted to the NHL, and then they they some of them obviously not ninety nine point nine 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 percent of them are just happy to get drafted, but there is a select few who have come out either before the draft or during the draft when they some of them have fallen because of it yeah and said so that they don't like, want to play yeah, for I, a team. I, yeah i don't want to play for this team and it, it kind of just rubs people the wrong way because like why you're still playing the edge so and yeah, yeah like obviously you want to play for a winner or you want to play for a classic team or a contending team or a, you're the centerpiece of a rebuild in the case of matthews or or eichel or whoever and but i think like, that would be appealing to like if I was the first overall pick this year or next, depending on if they don't get it, but if they got say I don't know, uh, 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 let's just say uh, Logan Cooley at second at the second pick or third pick in this draft, and uh, you know he goes back to the U.S. and he's doing whatever he's doing, and then I'm Connor Bernard in the next year, and they say like we've already got one piece to the puzzle, and and Logan Cooley, we've got some prospects. But you could really be the team that keeps Arizona in Arizona. Like I would be like, okay, I know the team's bad and I know it sucks to play, but it's not. They're not going to be in ASU forever. They're getting the approval for the arena in Tempe or Tempe. It's like obviously, if 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 this all stays, like you you would be the centerpiece around this, and also you don't know when you sign there. Like you're a generational talent. I I personally believe he is. You don't know what stars are going to want to come play there. I know the ASU, but when they get a new arena and maybe things are picking up, excuse me, you never know who would want to go play there because they've got Connor Bernard. Yeah, you know, and if the whoever. if the GM did actually make a five year plan, then obviously he's sitting down with these players that he wants to draft beforehand and going through 
like, yeah, next year's going to suck. You'll be on the team, yada, yada, yada. But, like, this is our plan for the future with you. We're going to bring in these guys, potentially bring in these guys. We're going to potentially draft these guys to make our team competitive. So it's not like the GM's just throwing names on the wall, hoping something sticks. If he actually has a five-year plan, then that kind of would ease the, the anxiety or the like the not wanting to go to Arizona because he has a whole plan laid out with these players involved, right? Yeah. And like, that's, that would be like, if, if the GM came to me with this huge plan and said, you know, you could be the guy and he has a, the whole plan laid out. I, I feel like that's better than just basically we're calling your name on draft day. You're going one and you're just basically going to be sitting in this team melting away your whole career. But, yeah. like, going into this draft, they have their pick, Carolina's pick, which has a a condition on it, Colorado's pick. They've got four seconds. They've got a third, a fifth, a seventh. And then next year, they've literally got a first, a second, three thirds, two fourths, a fifth, a sixth, and a seventh. Like, they, they and then 2024, they've got just as many. Like, they obviously have this plan of, like, this is the plan we're going to lay out. These are the players that we are eyeing in the draft. And you, you never know. One could hit, two could hit, five could hit. Oh, Bill Armstrong, that's his name. Ten could hit. You know, you you never know. Um, I just think that it's a it's a kind of a a kick in the nuts to to these to these teams that like are the players and draft are saying, yeah, I don't want to play for you. I mean, I understand too because like what happens on the chance that Arizona doesn't become what they said. But. Well, yeah. And it, it it's different for, like, I understand if it's free agency and you can control where you go because that's where you want to play. But if it's a draft, then you should just be happy with whoever drafts you. Like, even if you grew up a Leafs fan and were drafted by Boston or Montreal or, or Rangers or Detroit or Chicago or whoever, like, you, you, you'd still be happy playing in the NHL, being drafted in the NHL. If you grew up a... Um, a Penguins fan and were drafted by the Flyers or an Edmonton fan and were drafted by the Flames, like to use those or other reasons as to why you don't want to play for that team because you were drafted by them is kind of a, a, a kick in the face to all the people who have been drafted, in my opinion. But yeah. like I said, free agency is like we know as Leafs fans, there's times where people don't want to come to play for your team because your team isn't in the best shape. But in the case of a draft, I think it's a little weird that you would pick and choose what teams you want to play for instead of just being excited and happy that you actually got drafted when there's people who don't get drafted at all ever. Yeah. Like, there's people who have to go into the draft a second year just to even att- attempt to get drafted players who never get picked. Their names never get called. There's also players that uh, like parents couldn't afford it when they were young and you never know what could have happened. You know, well, yeah, like, but, I mean, there's uh, also situations I, where they get injured during their draft year and it's a career ending. And yeah. That's it. You know? But yeah, I was talking. I tried to narrow it down to people who are actually in the draft. But yeah, that's a good oh, point yeah. too. I'm just people meaning who like never be, get the chance. Kind of be grateful. Never, yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. Like it's just weird to me that they would. Some people and like the most notable one, I guess, is Eric Lindros with the Quebec Nordiques, and then they had to trade him to the Flyers because he didn't want to play for them. Which I mean, whatever the reason was, that's still kind of. I think it was like the owner or something. I think it had to do with his mom or his family or something, wasn't it? Yeah, but there's like, yeah, some kind of issue with the owner or the GM at the time of Quebec. And it was like yeah, on just... Sportsnet a couple of years back. Oh. Like the whole story yeah. of them sitting down. 
it's just weird to me that you would do that when like it goes back to the money situation like i talked about this and maybe the money is a bit different like people growing up all their life saying oh i just only want to be hockey players oh i just only want to be hockey player like it's my dream to play in the nhl and then they get a chance after if they get a bridge deal say they sign for three million and then they their next contract they're like i want nine million i'm not playing like well what happened to the guy three years ago that said i only they ever wanted to play in the NHL. Money talks. That's what like, happened. Well, yeah, obviously, like, I mean, most people wouldn't turn down $9 million. But, like, what's the difference if you get offered six, like, obviously $3 million, But, like, most people could live their life on $6 million. And, obviously, like, Chris Pronger put out the tweet thread there a couple of weeks ago or last week where he broke yeah, down how, right. yeah, where he broke down how many, how much of the money NHL players actually take home based on provincial or state tax or government tax and, or and expenses like agent fees and expenses and stuff so like a person making seven million only actually takes home three and a half and i know people listening are like what three and a half is still a lot and like the, yeah exactly it's like if you're if you're or, or down, players in the player or people that are listening aren't saying three and a half they're just saying that's kind of shitty oh sorry that's kind of poopy well yeah but i mean like three and a half million is still a lot of money even after you pay all your expenses like most people yeah but i mean like paycheck to paycheck yeah, but not when you when you're when you're growing up, especially nowadays, when you're growing up, saying all you want to do is play in the NHL, it's not just like you want to play in the NHL. Obviously, money has to come into consideration, and, and the fact that if you play well enough and you get eight million dollars, like I feel like then you're gonna if you had one say one contract that was five, and it was for three years, and you're let's just say in a perfect world you're making five, um, and then the next contract you're getting offered three and a half to take a pay cut for Toronto, say. Yeah, you do it, but like at the same time, if you're getting three and a half cleared, your life might be a little bit different because you're losing that one point five million. It might not, depending yeah, on how people live. I'm, I'm not even talking about the players who take pay cuts to go play for other teams. Like you have seen in in times where the players are like, "I want this amount of money," and then they they threaten to not play the season because they're not getting that money. Like it's a different situation if you go from. Five million, and then you're like, "Yeah, I'll take three and a half to play for you guys, even though it might affect my life." It's the players, in my opinion. It's a weird situation when you're like, "Yeah, I, I, like I, I want nine million dollars, or I'm going to sit the season." And then the teams have kind of like are their hands are tied, and they're like, "Okay, well, we have to give you nine million then, or else we're going to lose you." It just seems weird that players like that that money has that effect on people. Yeah, I'd probably do it. I mean, I wouldn't say I wouldn't play. For that money oh no i'm not saying they shouldn't do it i'm just saying it's weird how they go from like it's a dream of mine to play in the nhl and there's nothing that i would ever do besides it to saying like yeah i'm gonna sit a whole year of my dream job because you're not giving me nine million dollars it's just weird to me that 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 dichotomy exists because of the power and influence money has yeah i guess that is true but i'd still do it i mean i wouldn't again i wouldn't sit down and I know what you're saying. I'm just saying to to anyone out there, if you're gonna offer me nine million dollars, expect the next time you're gonna be paying me. Well, yeah, and like I'm not saying they shouldn't take it because who wouldn't? I'm just saying like if they offer you six, like that's still a substantial amount of money to every person ever. Like even millionaires are like, yeah, like give me six million dollars. Like why would you be like, no, I don't want your six. Give me nine, or I'm not playing. And obviously, I guess agents and stuff have a play in it, but um, it's just always been weird to me that that three million dollars is such a 
a hard point of stance where they're like, yeah, I don't want six, I want nine, or I'm not playing. Well, I guess in some people's lives, $3 million extra would make, I guess, the cherry on top. I, I, I don't really know. It, it just seems, uh, seems a little confusing to me. Uh, before we get into anything else, we got a little bit more. We're actually get into um, some, to talk about some the lease. <laughs> yeah, some lease related notes. Uh, yeah, it's it's kind of it's kind of strange how we just sometimes you can just get talking and and uh, forty minutes passes and you still haven't touched on what you want to touch on. So we're gonna get a word from our sponsors now, and after the break, we'll actually get back into uh, leaf stock and the week ahead. And then uh, some other small things before we uh, close her up and get ready for the playoff preview on Friday. So make sure you like, subscribe, and download that episode. Uh, we'll be back. And now a quick word from our show sponsors and friends of Inside the Rink. BetUS. BetUS has your NHL, NBA, UFC, PGA, and yes, NFL betting lineups for the 27th year of live betting. Sign up for betus.com with promo code RINK for your 125% sign-up bonus. Again, use the promo code RINK for your 125% sign-up bonus. Play with a proven mainstay in the industry. BetUS. You bet, you win, you get paid. BetUS.com. We are back. Um, me and Scar are just uh, chatting there a little bit, and uh, we will be doing more in-depth um, previews of playoffs when things are more decided on Friday. I believe the Leafs are playing the start of the season, sec- the second or third of May, so uh, we will be with you every playoff game after that. Uh, yeah, and we'll, we'll try not to do hour-long. We'll try to do like half an hour because we'll just be covering that one game. Yeah. But if something happens where we need to talk longer, then yeah. But we'll try to aim for just the one game, half an hour breakdowns. Yeah, so if you're interested in some uh, least fans' opinion who aren't directly involved in the game, download, subscribe, like, write a review. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah. Comment have, on Twitter. Have, have we had any reviews or anything yet? No? Uh, I don't know no. how you check that now. I don't believe so. Uh, unless you want me to write a one from my personal Apple Apple podcast, but I don't think that'd be advised. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we're gonna get into the Florida game a little bit. It wasn't too 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 exciting, but uh, I think we're gonna touch on the Washington game just because it was pretty. Uh, what would you say, jam packed? Yeah, and it was a Leafs comeback. Most people had already said, "Yeah, Leafs are done." Yeah, so it shows that they are still in it. Until playoffs, when they can battle back from a three-one deficit to Washington to win. Exactly. So, uh, you take it away. But yeah, the, the Florida game. Yeah, the Florida game. I, I don't know. Like we've mentioned this a couple times. I think you mentioned it in the second episode, and I mentioned it in the third. We're like, I think we went more in depth in the third. I think because Kyle talked about how teams in lower positions can be spoilers. Like I find the last section of games, barring the Washington game there two weeks ago, has been kind of boring. 
and I guess the Washington game yesterday. But like, I, I just like early season, mid season, that stretch of games where they were winning, scoring five, six goals a game, like those were exciting to me. But like, even you've mentioned it while we're watching the games, like it just seems like I don't know. Maybe it's because the season's so long. Like, I'm not saying we should shorten the season because I'm not a I'm not a supporter of that. I think the season should be 82 based on the number of teams. And we've added more teams since the season was brought up to 82. So, but yeah, yeah this just like, season is long. Yeah, it just seems like, and maybe it's because of COVID where we just had two, well, I guess kind of three because the one was a, a couple months break and then continued. And then the other one where it was like, and then there was like the month and a half pause and then the season started back up. So it's kind of like nonstop hockey. But yeah, it just seems like the last week and a bit to two weeks has been a drag where like the game you like you watch the games but you're not really that invested unless something big happens. Like or the Tampa game, I guess, too, because of all the the physicality. But yeah, it just seems like it's been a drag to to have to watch them. Because like like maybe it's just the playoff hype and it's right around the corner, so we're just so invested in that. But what's your yeah, opinion I, on that? I cannot wait. I say this to you every game. It's like, just, just four for the last two games. Let's just move on to the playoffs. That's all yeah. I feel like. I just am. Uh, yeah, I think you mentioned it, and yeah, you touched on it well. Is just, it's it's, COVID and the. I mean, not that they didn't use the two week Olympic break, but like obviously they did. But like, it just seems everything's just so long. And and looking at past years, we should be in the playoffs and. I just hope that these next couple of days go quick and playoffs start, and then after that is what every night or sorry every other night. Well, every night technically for hockey, if you're a fan of other series. Um, yeah, every yeah. other night, unless there's back to backs. But yeah, and then sometimes every two nights, depending or every third night, I guess depending on if there's like a travel for game six or seven, whatever. Sometimes they do that. Not recently, but yeah, I think the Florida game. That's fine. Pardon me? I said that's why I'm kind of hoping that Boston game's exciting. Like, final game of the year, bring up the excitement for the playoffs, a physical, hard-hitting oh, game. Oh, yeah. Where, like, it's kind of gritty and scrappy, and I guess, like, Toronto, one of big, Toronto's biggest rivals leading into the playoffs to just get the excitement going, but I don't feel like it's going to happen because Toronto's already, well, I mean, the Eastern Conference already set with the A teams, just who finishes where, so I just feel like these next two games are just going to be yeah, kind of like a a toss-up, just like Toronto wins, they win. If not, then move on to the next one. Well, all they need is one point to secure home ice, so hopefully they get that one point against uh, Detroit, which I, would I thought it was three. No, I mean, it could be three. I heard today that all they need is one point to lock it up because they got well, three yesterday. Yeah, so Tampa, though. And doesn't Tampa have three games left? I, I don't Toronto's think so. Only, Toronto's only five up, I thought. Yeah. Oh, no? I thought so I think Toronto, I think Toronto, Boston, and Tampa only have two games left. But I could be wrong. I just right. heard today on the radio that it's uh, it's one point. But I mean, mm. I don't know where Justin Bourne sor- sourced that. Um, either way, I just hope that they play hard against Boston, Detroit. I think it's a rest day. I would, I'd probably give um, maybe maybe Matthews the day off. I know people want him to get sixty. I want him to get sixty. Maybe he'll play the last two other games, but. Um, yeah, I think the most uh, important note from the Florida game was the overtime. The other part oh, of the game yeah. was 
was it, it is what it is it's like, like the games kind of matter but kind of meaningless at this point but yeah the the Tavares and Nylander collision and Jack Campbell poke check just a second early and his pads were open I mean you had mentioned maybe not go for the poke check in that situation and maybe try and go for the save but at the same time I guess in the heat of the moment yeah, I guess obviously he thought Pojak was necessary, but he forgot to and close his pads. So it, kind of it looked like purpose. it looked like maybe Washington had been like watching video on that game because a few times in the overtime there they tried that. Yeah, they tried like the the cross ice flip pass to the Pojak or to, to like the player Pojak to try to get it through his pads. There they tried it two or three times I think, but it yeah. didn't work out. You know what save I thought was kind of similar in a sense. You know, in the Florida game, um, at the start of OT, they had who uh, Montour or someone Sherratt come down like right off the faceoff. He had like almost a breakaway, if not a breakaway. Oh yeah, yeah. Remember, Jack Campbell slid across and, and saved him. Yeah, or saved his heart. That save kind of remind me of on Shogren on Ovechkin, although it was a little oh, bit yeah. different of an angle, and Shogren's stick was out a little bit more than Jack Campbell, but kind of the similar like pad save desperation. Yeah. Um which and I mean, let's just get right into that. Yeah, it led to the quote unquote trip. Yeah. Collision with the board. Now he's on an upper like, body injury. Or sorry, and with it, an upper body injury. It didn't look too severe when it happened. I, I mean I said this to you at dinner when we were eating. A couple people that I heard today with that were Washington uh, not supporters, uh, writers. They had mixed opinions, but the one guy who was on Real Kipper and Born this afternoon said that he thinks that it was more like he was trying to get a penalty, and he kept arguing with the penalty, but then he went off to try and still get the penalty, and at that point, obviously, there's a concussion spot or whatever, so it'll be interesting to see if he's actually injured or they're just going to kind of keep up the charade just because of embarrassment. Yeah, I I don't know. Like, it, it didn't look like it was, like, I, to me anyway, like... Some players get body tricked harder than he made contact with the boards. And then for yeah. him to lay there for a few seconds to... And then get up and, seconds. like, spaz on at the ref. Like, yeah, screaming probably and yelling. Yeah, probably wanted the penalty, and the ref said, like, get lost. Yeah, the, the cool thing about last night's game was, um, well, Chris Cuthbert uh, kind of talked about it, like, graybeards, you know, those refs had, like, what, 2,300 games combined? So, like, the minor little stuff of, of, of Ovechkin... Getting up off the yeah, ice and screaming and yelling, they're just like, "Yeah, shut up, buddy." I mean, I wouldn't have been surprised if they did call it a penalty, but I don't, I don't see any way that would have been. Like Novakin yeah, just I'd... skated over his stick when he was making the save and then fell into the boards. Like I don't see how. Yeah, I don't see that. Being... I don't. Know. But yeah, I thought I that game that. was more. I mean, maybe not the. What was it second period? But yeah, they, the, towards the end of the game, there when Toronto came back, it was. I thought it was way more exciting than the Florida game. Even the first period was a bit more exciting. So hopefully that uh, can continue into the next couple. But I just, I just hope that they, um, I hope that no one gets hurt. Firstly, uh, in the next couple of games, no one else gets hurt. <laughs> yeah, well, true. But uh, I read today that Bunting is supposed to be back to the playoffs, so that's good. Yeah, and I also saw that uh, Sandy might be eligible. Obviously, Jake Muzzin has some kind of. Um, there, I heard that it was a non-concussion issue, but I don't believe that. 
at this yeah. point. He's missed now going to be seven games if he misses Tuesday. Like, I feel bad for the guy because he, he can be a, a force and that Toronto could need. But at this point, I just say, Jake, just get healthy, man. Like, we need you more in the, and if we make it to the third and final round than we do in, in the first round. Unfortunately, like at this point, we, you need to be even 95% healthy and don't rush back because it would suck for your career to be ending or and ended with another concussion. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. Especially in even Sandine, like, yeah, your career is what? Three years in, like you're still young. Like there's no point in trying to rush just to make it back for the first round one. I mean, yeah, like Toronto could lose. I mean, 50-50, I guess, whether you win or lose. But like, is there a point of even if you do win, then you could just come back for the second round. And if you lose, then just come back next year healthy, right? Exactly. No point in trying to rush back to try to exactly. make the team win when you're not 100% or 95% or whatever. And also, there's, I mean, there could be a chance that one of those two players make it. But let's just say Jake Muzzin is deemed healthy for the playoffs and he's playing. And Sandine rushes back. Well, could be a chance that you're not in the lineup. Yeah. So why rush when you can just take your time and come back in the second round or game six or five of the first round and and make an impact? You don't need to rush back and try and get our same as Kasha. Yeah, I'm, I really I think Kasha's a really sweet pickup for the Leafs, but at the same time, like take your time. Like Toronto's obviously proven that they can do it, so hopefully they can well, prove yeah, that in the playoffs. But Especially since these next two games don't really matter. Again, exactly. I guess home home ice advantage, but like you're already in a playoff spot. It's just like whether I mean, I don't see Boston catching them with their games left. Yeah, I don't. But they're what six points up on Boston, seven Ooh, points Toronto? up on Boston. Yeah, yeah, no, I. It's I think they're now. Boston's a point behind Tampa. I think it's, I think it's literally at this point just one point for Toronto. They lock up home ice, and I, I what's what's Tampa behind Toronto? Three. Five. Five? Five. Yeah, okay. Yeah, then I guess it's Yeah, but possible. that's what I mean though. Like if you if, if you lose the next two and Tampa wins, then you still have like if even if Tampa has almost advantage, like you're still playing. Maybe Tampa does have three games left. Because why would then Toronto would need only Toronto would already have home ice advantage locked up, so they must have three games left. Yeah. Yeah, because so, then that one right point now. would be five points back with two games left. Yeah. But then like even if even if so Boston, say Boston has three, and Boston wins two of three, Toronto wins none, and Tampa wins all three. Like you're still playing Tampa because Boston only got four points and they're six points behind you. So like even if you don't have home, yeah, home ice advantage would be cool. But like even if you don't win, like you don't win, you still play the same team. You just play more games in their arena than you do in ours. Yeah, which I mean. Obviously, home ice advantage would help, especially in Toronto. So, try and lock it up. But yeah, I yeah. guess uh, I mean not really, especially in Tampa because half those fans are Toronto fans, anyways. I think. Well, yeah, a lot of fans around the league. <laughs> I said this to you actually the one game. I think, and I haven't really been paying attention much to other teams, but I think Toronto's the only team in the league where a go Leafs go break chant breaks down in every other arena. Yeah. Like, there's been games they played, uh, Montreal, Ottawa, Rangers, maybe not Rangers, Islanders, uh, 
through Florida, Tampa, Detroit, like the goalies go and break out because all the least fans should show up. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I guess, and just to touch on those games, um, like that past, uh, I guess good takeaway was, um, I guess I got a three points on the four, and they they battled. Um, I think the last couple of games have really proven to, and I, I still don't understand why people don't believe in this, but I think the last couple of games have proven to be, um, like uh, morale builders. Based on on confidence in their physicality, like Toronto, Toronto worried more it seemed about the scrums than the Tampa game. Toronto scrummed yeah. with Florida. Okay, I've gone a fight, well, not much of a fight, but still. Um, yeah. Washington, you know, players were Jocelyn or Josh, Joshin. What's the word? Jocelyn. Yeah, that's the word. At each other. Um, but yeah, I think it's uh, it's good to see. I mean, not that in the playoffs there's going to be eighteen fights in the game. But you never know. There could be uh there could be a fight or two, so it's good to see other people kind of muck it up a little bit. And I am seeing players I mean pardon me. Even just the physicality, like I've seen Marner, Mikhaev, even Engvall the odd time here now throwing hits. When beginning of the say. year, mid of the middle of the year they didn't really even try to make contact with the other team. So I mean, I guess the with the playoffs looming they know and how physical playoff hockey is from word of mouth, obviously, because I've never played in it. But, like, I guess they know, like, we need to kind of step up here with our physicality. Even if it's just one hit a game, it's one more than they would have thrown. So, Yeah, I just hope that the hit counter doesn't have um, Steve Buscemi's eyes from uh, Mr. Deeds. Because, remember, last year against Montreal, somehow in the first in the first uh, period, Montreal, like, 60 hits. And then after the game, Sheldon keeps like, yeah, I think the hits might have been a little off or counted, uh, miscounted. Like, yeah, I hope I hope that they – I mean, none of that really matters because, like, even if they put 60 on the sheet, if there's not 60 in the game, then it doesn't really matter. But, like, yeah. it just fits yeah. into the narrative that Toronto's weak. And I guess, like, the other team can hit you as much as they want, but if you score more goals than they do, then those hits don't really matter in the end. Well, exactly, and um, like I guess hits can deter you from speeding up the game. And but even like the Patrick Maroon comment about Wayne Simmons being weak, yeah. I think that was just a a uh, um I can't even think of the word right now. But I think that was just basically like trying to get them off their game in case these teams do meet, thinking that you know maybe oh, Toronto yeah, is weak. Yeah, I mean, not that it's yeah. going to work with Wayne Simmons because, like, Wayne Simmons would, I think, would drop Patrick Murray, but maybe the other players, like, oh, you know, are, is, you know, not, not necessarily Wayne Simmons, but, oh, is this person actually weak or, you know, is this person actually going to stand up for us? Blah, blah, blah. And again, I don't think that's going to happen because you spend, what, 110, 150 days with these players or these guys, this group, maybe 200, depending on training camp and everything. Like, I, I, I don't think that that necessarily is going to, get into their mental state but mm-hmm. yeah I, I guess um i guess when or from what i've heard that's what people think that patrick Murray's trying to do is just set the tone of of Toronto's week and Toronto's this and that and, and it didn't help that obviously Sean keith called them uh purposeless and weak earlier in the season but yeah, yeah. I, I still don't buy it i still don't buy that that's actually happening but now that we're talking about playoffs i mean the last two 
Unless you have anything more about the last two games. Uh, no, I think, yeah, they just, I thought they played better against Washington there towards the end of the game than they did against Florida. And, Other than that. And again, to the people who are listening, we will go in more depth for the games that matter. Um, these games, we or these, these, well, I mean, next podcast is a player preview. This podcast is just basically, you know, let's just kind of hang out and talk and, and then we'll get into the final stretch. That's what the episode's name is. So, I mean, we had we had originally intended to talk more about the Washington or the Washington, Florida, and uh, yeah, Washington games, but we kind of got extended there with our Arizona and finances contracts talk. So, we yeah, had to shorten I mean, that a bit. But it's it's the dog days of uh, of of May, I guess, or April. Um, but quote unquote dog days of summer. Where you you know just dogging it around, so let's uh, let's just keep on trucking here, and we promise the the podcast will be more least related and 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 in depth uh, closer to the playoffs and into the playoffs. And obviously, yeah, the playoffs will be huge in depth because we'll be breaking down every playoff game. Yeah, which I mean, we're not gonna have monitors and and and, and markers, obviously, not that in depth, but we'll we'll we'll. Uh, We'll talk. That's for sure. Um, We're gonna do the old John Madden and draw the X's and O's on the screen. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we might even pop into a to a live chat. I'm not sure if we will, or maybe we can throw these up on YouTube. I'm not sure about that either. I mean, I, I can't just call out the other people in the group and and say that's happening over a podcast. But uh, I guess yeah, we'll we'll see what happens. Uh, we just want to keep you guys engaged and or people engaged. Um, and yeah, kind of just. Yeah. Uh, Hopefully that you you enjoy the content. Uh, just before we wrap it up here, we we had planned this with Kyle. Obviously, Kyle's not with us tonight, so uh, me and Scott will will do it. But it's our playoff prediction. We've talked a little bit about this, obviously, um, based on early in the season. Uh, Scott said that he or early in the podcast, Scott's in, in past episodes, uh, Kyle uh, Scott said that he wanted Washington. I don't remember what Kyle said, and I said I wanted Boston. So Scott, I think Kyle said Boston too. Did he? Yeah, I but think he did. I only said I only said Washington if we could pass Tampa because I thought they would be the easier matchup than either Tampa or Boston. If but I, then Florida. I said if Oh yeah, yeah, sorry. If they move ahead of Florida, which obviously isn't happening now, so that's way to go, Kyle. <laughs> but uh I, and then I said if it's down to Tampa or Boston, I said I'd want Boston just cuz the history and the we have to get back for them beating us a couple times. Yeah. But now, with a week left in the season, um, who, who do you want and why? I mean, probably Tampa. That that game against Tampa really sold me on a, a series that these two could have. That would be, and again, like you could say, like just because that game was physical doesn't mean the series is going to be physical. But, I mean, that'll be a big story going into it, and it'll draw a lot of hype. So I think Tampa right now would be the, the more desired series. And and I I agree with that. And I would add, when Toronto beat Tampa, what six two, yeah, six four, whatever it was, um, six two, Tampa I came think. back and responded with a eight one victory, and a physical one. So I think that Toronto, if they face Tampa, they're gonna. I'm not saying they're gonna come out and score twelve, but point of this is, I think Toronto will come out and and play a, a smarter hockey game, and you know, kind of the same mindset Tampa had. Like this team can burn us, so. Toronto will be thinking probably the same thing. We've seen this team burn us. Different um, 
couple different additions into our lineup since the last game. So, yeah, I think that Tampa and Toronto would, would be a good series. Also, I was looking at the standing standings today, and Boston's playing who in the first round? If they're the wild card team, will they play Carolina? Uh, yeah. Okay, they're so the top Boston wild card. Okay, so Carolina's the top in the division. Unless Carolina can pass Florida. And I said they'll be playing Carolina because Carolina's the top team in the other division. Yeah. Okay. Because the last yeah, Walker no, plays the best team. Yeah. And I don't know if Carolina can pass Florida. I don't think they can, but. No. Unless no, uh, Carolina Florida locked that, up the East. Then yeah. Then yeah, no, I just didn't hear what you said. It's Carolina. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. That's why I thought. So if Toronto, or Boston plays Carolina and they beat Carolina based on the goaltending issues that they're having with with Anderson and I think Ranta can can return, but um let's just say they, they beat Carolina. And then I think then let's just say realistically I, I would assume it's Pittsburgh versus uh who the Rangers or whatever. If they beat either one of the second the the teams in the second uh, round um and Toronto wins and beats Florida. Toronto could play Boston in the in the, in the conference finals which I think would be uh be good revenge to beat them to go into the finals, no? Well, yeah, and then they would have had to have beat all three teams in their own division. Yeah, which is they, the hardest I, three teams besides assuming Colorado. Yeah, assuming Florida can beat Washington, which I mean, yeah, it was all, just kind of like all things considered, looks like they can. But even if even yeah. if Washington beats Florida and then Toronto beats Washington, like at the end of the day, they could potentially still at this pace. Like it's not unlikely, or it's it's not. Um, it, it probably is unlikely, but it's not. Uh, uh, what's the word I'm thinking of here? It's it's not not going to happen that Toronto could play Boston in the playoffs yeah. just because they're not playing them in the first round. Obviously, not the second round for sure, but there's a chance that they're playing them in the third round, and then there could be a chance that they're playing Colorado or Calgary, which I think Calgary would be a good series because those games are physical. But yeah, mm-hmm. I just was looking at the standings today, trying to see what was going on. I actually, started looking at the NBA standings and then thought about hockey, but. Um, or the mm-hmm. NBA series, sorry. Uh, but yeah, I think that it, it would be cool for Toronto to kind of bury their demons against Washington the second round. Bury their demons yeah. that just randomly came up with all these people putting posts like, oh, two days since Toronto lost to Tampa. And then whoop some behind against Boston, capitalized yeah. on the B. And then we'll go and whoop uh, some more behind in the finals. And, and, and you'll probably end up seeing me... Um, crying at the parade not that any of you guys know what i look like but you'll see me because i'll be the grown-up crying in the front row probably screaming awesome matthews can you sign my t-shirt or something and with a shirt that says listen to my podcast leaves talk forever and then on the back will say i heart awesome matthews with a little stash and a wedding ring man crush monday awesome um anyway uh just real quick because we'll get more into a more in-depth breakdown on friday when we do it but I think how things have played out since I don't even know a couple weeks ago when like all the teams were rel- relatively closer than they are now. I feel like it would have been better. And this is obviously no offense to the other division, but if both Tampa and Boston had passed Toronto, because right now with Carolina's goalie situation with Anderson out and uh, who's their other goalie that you said got hurt, Renta. Yeah, and then and Anderson doesn't really come back. 
Oh, is he? But I mean, well, never he's not. He's but no. If, but I mean, your point still stands because Toronto would, I think, would put five past Anthony Uranta on a good night. So, well, yeah, hypothetically. But I mean, like, if their goalie situation can, or problems continue, then Toronto may have an easier time beating Carolina, and then continue into the second round of a hard, potentially hard matchup against the Rangers or Pittsburgh, as opposed to a hard matchup against Florida or Tampa or Boston, and then a hard matchup against Florida just to make it to the. Not to say Carolina won't be a hard matchup, but if their goalie problems continue, then it it, yeah. it might be an easier easier matchup than than it. Uh, I would go as far as to say, if Toronto beats Tampa in the first round, beats Florida in the second round, and then beats either one of Carolina Rangers, Pittsburgh, or Carolina Carolina Rangers, Pittsburgh, or Boston, sorry, in the in the final or conference finals, I feel like it might be a shoe in for them to win the Stanley Cup. Like obviously. Things could happen. They could get swept in the first, second, third, or or, or Stanley Cup round. But I mean, like if they're if they're taking on, say for example, Carolina in the last uh, in the conference finals, Florida, and then Tampa in the first round. That's the three best teams besides them. Maybe the Rangers, I guess technically. But even if it's the Rangers or Carolina, I still think. And then they play Calgary or Colorado or Minnesota. Even I feel like they could use that. Uh, energy of, of beating three of the four best teams besides them in the East and then going on to yeah. uh, win the Stanley Cup. Also, Scott, you had some stat on the eight teams in the East that you should probably uh, let the listeners Oh, yeah, know. this is... I don't know. I can't remember if it was the first time ever or the first time in X amount of years, but the odd that all eight teams in, that have clinched a plus spot in the Eastern Conference have 100 points. Um, I can't remember now. I have it written down the first time, but I can't even remember 100% if that's what it said. But yeah, yeah it's the so. first time eight teams in the same conference have reached 100 points in the same season. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. Nuts. Which, I mean, the, I feel like, and again, no offense to the other teams, but I feel like the eight teams in the East have a better chance of winning the Stanley Cup. Oh, yeah. Besides maybe Colorado than the eight teams in the West. I would throw Minnesota in that, too. They've gone like 15, 15, 1, and 3 or or 12, 1, and 3, or something like that, since getting Mark under Fleury and the other additions that they got. So, yeah, I still think the East has a better chance, but... Yeah. yeah. I think Minnesota... Right, well, I mean, we'll, we'll get into more uh, playoff previews for uh, the Leafs and maybe even some some playoff brackets that we'd like, but I, I think Minnesota would be my pick for the West. Um, but yeah, let's uh, let's close this thing off here. Um, but we got to do, uh, yeah, predictions for the week ahead. Oh, yeah, we do. Sorry about that. All right, well, let's start with the Detroit game on Tuesday. All right, so Detroit game, uh, I'm saying Shalgren starts again, much like the last couple times we've said he starts. It's the easier matchup. They're just coming off a back-to-back. They'll probably give Campbell a rest, even the Boston game, maybe. But uh, Shalgren, Leafs win 4-1, Matthews stand out at two goals and then for the Boston game I don't know I, I now that I said the Shogren but I'll stick with my original uh, Campbell just because it's Boston final game of the year you probably don't want Campbell sitting out for a whole week leading into the playoffs so uh, Campbell starts Leafs win 3-2 and stand out is Nylander great play but he's like all over all around all throughout the game but I feel like he's just going to end up with the one goal I uh, 
I have Shawgren against Detroit, least winning 6-2. And Matthews as a standout with, with two goals and, and one assist. Uh, I was thinking about putting Shaw or Campbell in it for both, actually, but because they have, what, two days in between. But I still think they have rest for Campbell after. And, and like you said, the harder matchup. So if Campbell gets mm-hmm. Boston, at least winning 2-1. And Mikheyev, he's going to get a power or penalty kill goal. Every time I predict that he doesn't, he's going to get one. Um. <laughs> And I, I mean, obviously, Kyle's not here, so we won't know Kyle's. So, uh, one, way to go, Kyle. And two, he's going to be back for the playoff preview. So, we'll get some predictions going into each game. Uh, I do like the idea. I'm going to say that we're going to do it. Uh, it's not really up for discussion because it's happening right now, and I'm saying it. We will probably do a first-round uh, bracket challenge of our own, uh, and we'll update it as uh, we go through rounds because we will be with you even if the Leafs get beat on the playoffs. Um, knock on wood. So hopefully they don't because that would suck. But yeah, I think that that would be a cool idea. Do you have any thoughts on that? I think you would enjoy that too. A little yeah, bracket think, that we can uh, share. Yeah. Each give our own opinion on why we think maybe we win. Maybe that would be a poll question too of, you know, we put out multiple polls of who 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 the listeners want to see win those series. And maybe we'll highlight some other series that we think would be good. Like the St. Louis, uh, Minnesota one. Bring up the results of the polls on the episode that we do it. Yeah. Put it so out I think few days before, and then that gives them a few time to few few time few days to answer. Yeah. And we can I think that, what the viewers think and what we think. Exactly. I think that the player preview will be the best show that we have for you yet. It's going to be days in the making, so stick with us. Um. But yeah, with that, let's uh, let's wrap. Let's wrap this up. Um, Again, uh, donate if you can. I know we don't have any donations. I I don't expect to get any, but if if you do, uh, if you do want to, donate because we could uh, use that for a playoff giveaway if at least get past the first round. Uh, With donations also comes merch. Um, Buy merch. Simple as that. It looks nice. It's our logo. Um, you could be a real um, supporter of the pod if you buy it. Um, obviously, as mentioned before, subscribe, like, comment, write a review, comment on Instagram, like our stuff, retweet, share, whatever you want to do. Show support because obviously you guys are showing support based on um, downloads and, and listens and all that kind of stuff. So so thank you for that. Um and we've 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 plugged this nine hundred times. I don't even think I need to mention it again, but I will playoff pod set up. Uh, we've kind of won over a little bit. We will plan everything out, and we will have it for you Friday. Toronto does play Friday against Boston on the 29th, so we will be with you after that game. And I well, I, I just pardon. I don't think it'll it'll come out on Saturday. Yeah, but I mean, like we will be doing that Friday night. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So it will be a doozy, um, and yeah. So again, uh, thanks for listening, and we will see you uh, Friday night, technically, but Saturday. So like, subscribe, comment, do whatever you need to do, and uh, go leave, go.